Let us be attentive. The Lord will give strength to his people. Bring to the Lord, O sons of God, bring to the Lord honor and glory. Wisdom. The reading is from St. Paul's letter to the Hebrews. Let us be attentive. Brethren, when God made a promise to Abraham, since he had no one greater by whom to swear, he swore to himself, saying, Surely I will bless you and multiply you. And thus Abraham, having patiently endured, obtained the promise. Men indeed swear by a greater than themselves, and in all their disputes an oath is final for confirmation. So when God desired to show more convincingly to the heirs of the promise the unchangeable character of his purpose, he interposed with an oath, so that through two changeable things in which it is impossible that God should prove false, we who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to seize the hope set before us. We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner shrine behind the curtain, where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf, having become a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Peace be with you, O the reader. Wisdom arise, let us hear the Holy Gospel. Peace be with you all. The reading is from the Holy Gospel according to St. Mark. Let us be attentive. At that time, a man came to Jesus, kneeling and saying, Teacher, I brought my son to you, for he has a dumb spirit, and wherever it seizes him, it dashes him down, and he foams and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. And I asked your disciples to cast it out, and they were not able. And he answered them, O faithless generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him to me. And they brought the boy to him. And when the spirit saw him immediately, it convulsed the boy. And he fell on the ground and rolled about, foaming at the mouth. And Jesus asked his father, How long has he had this? And he said from childhood, and it has often cast him into the fire 
and into the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have pity on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, If you can, all things are possible to him who believes. Immediately the father of the child cried out and said, I believe, help my unbelief. And when Jesus saw that a crowd came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, You dumb and deaf spirit, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. And after crying out and convulsing him terribly, it came out and the boy was like a corpse, so that most of them said, He is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. And when he had entered the house, his disciples asked him privately, Why could we not cast it out? And he said to them, This kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer and fasting. They went on from there and passed through Galilee, and he would not have anyone know it. For he was teaching his disciples, saying to them, The Son of Man will be delivered into the hands of men, and they will kill him. And when he is killed, after three days, he will rise. Peace be to you who proclaim the gospel. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I remember reading a certain interview shortly after the terrorist attacks of September 11th, where the interviewer asked the following question. How could God let something like this happen? The person being interviewed gave a rather profound and even rather disturbing response. I believe God is deeply saddened by this, just as we are saddened. But for years, we've been telling God to get out of our schools, to get out of our government, and to get out of our lives. And being the gentleman that he is, I believe he has calmly backed out. How can we expect God, she continued, to give us his blessing and his protection if we demand he leave us alone. I mention this today because I believe as a society, as a culture, a nation, and as a people, even as a globalized world, we indeed have kicked God, the living God, 
pretty much completely out of the picture. He has no place anymore to lay his head, just as Christ had no place to rest when he walked upon this earth. The effects of Christ's forced absence from the world in which we live are devastatingly evident. And again, the only reason he is absent is, as the gospel itself says, he was in the world, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own received him not. John 1.10. So my brothers and sisters, as a society, we are, so to speak, convulsing and have become the plaything of many, many unclean spirits, being tossed to and fro, just as the possessed boy in this morning's gospel. We have pushed God so far away that every evil imaginable, even unimaginable, has entered into our society and into our everyday lives. So that, as St. John again writes in his first epistle, the whole world lies under the power of the evil one. We only need to look at a newspaper or a news broadcast or some media site to see the evidence of a by and large godless society. Take a look at a billboard or a commercial and the immorality of our world is disgustingly Apparent. It is as St. Anthony the Great prophesied 1700 years ago when he said, A time is coming when people will go mad, and when they see someone who is not mad, they will attack him, saying, You are mad, you are not like us. Have we not realized that the cause of all these atrocities is in fact because we have kicked God? Out. And because we do not realize the cause of our condition, we most certainly will not know the cure. This madness and mass confusion needs to stop, at least from infiltrating and infecting our lives. And we begin by curing and protecting ourselves and our families here in Christ's holy church the hospital, and the ark of God, where we find not only the hope, but true sanity that is in Jesus Christ alone. The two scripture readings we heard this morning have one point in common. They both speak of Christ's death and resurrection as a kind of journey The gospel does so by placing it in the context of Christ's going up to Jerusalem from Galilee. The epistle, more indirectly by speaking of Christ's passing through the veil to become a priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. In this, Christ is, in the language of the epistle this morning, the forerunner. He has traveled this path to Jerusalem. He has passed through the veil of death into life, before us and 
on our behalf, leading the way unto eternal life. Our task in life is no more than to follow Jesus, as he so often calls us, to join him where he is. And as we try to do so, we are not left behind alone. As Hebrews points out, Christ, even on the other side of death, is an anchor unto which we can hold to which we are bound securely by the cord of faith. He is our hope, our one and only hope. And this means that any hope we have in life which is not related to the resurrection is not related to Christ, is not related to his victory over death, the devil, and sin, and is therefore no hope at all if it is not founded in Christ. Faith in God, faith in Christ, is bound up inseparably with hope. For a Christian to have faith, it is to have hope. For a Christian to have hope, it is to have faith. Jesus himself makes the connection when he says to the father of the possessed child in today's gospel, if you can believe, all things are possible to him that believes. In other words, even hope is possible for someone who has faith and believes, who has faith in God and in the power of God. This image of Christ as our anchor in heaven is really a beautiful and powerful image. After all, the anchor is the instrument that is used to keep a ship from being moved or even tossed about by winds and by waves. So it is that the ship of our life, our soul, is kept on course through the storms of this life. St. Paul warns the Ephesians not to be tossed to and fro and carried about by every wind of passing doctrine. Strange and novel ideas and teachings can shake the feeling of security that the believer has. But as long as he is anchored in Christ, there is nothing to worry about or to fear. As long as the believer has the gospel of Christ as his authority, as his guide, just as the opened gospel was placed upon the head of our new metropolitan Nathaniel at his ordination yesterday, Christ will hold us fast, and we will weather the winds of confusion, the storms of madness, even the other insanity and nihilistic hopelessness that is so prevalent in our days. There is a striking paradox in the use of anchor in this epistle, for Christian hope secures us to heaven, while an anchor is normally cast overboard so as to lay hold of the seabed below with its hook. The hope which is in Christ, our anchor, is sure and unshakable. It is steadfast and it is firm, for it points to life up there in God's everlasting kingdom. Concerning this Christian hope, 
this virtue among the trinity of virtues, faith, hope, and love. St. John of the Ladder, whom we remember today, writes, Hope is a wealth of hidden riches. Hope is a treasure of assurance of the treasure in store for us. And St. John Chrysostom about this says, As the anchor dropped from the sea vessel does not allow the ship to be carried about even if 10,000 winds agitate it, but being depended upon it makes the ship steady. So also does hope make us steady. And through hope, we are already in heaven, the Holy Father tells us. As we journey towards Holy Week and Pascha, my dear brothers and sisters in Christ, let us hold on in faith to the anchor of our souls, Jesus Christ, who has gone before us, has blazed the way as the forerunner into heaven, and who draws us to himself through death into the joy and the fullness of everlasting life. To our anchor of sure and steadfast hope, Jesus Christ our God, be the power and the glory forever. Amen. May rise at this time.